Thank you so much, guys. And how many of you love the Word today? I love the Word of God. It keeps me strong. It blesses me. And I want to turn to Galatians 5 and verse 22, and I want to uh, finish out this series on Tutti Frutti. And I call it Tutti Frutti because in Italian, that means all fruits. And that's what God wants us bringing forth in our lives, all fruits, tutti frutti, all the fruit of the Spirit. So Galatians 5 and verse 22. And while you're turning there, I want to remind you of Wednesday night. We're teaching on the names of God. And I want to thank uh, Keith Hewlin, who's not here, but uh, um, taught for me Wednesday night. I got nothing but great, great feedback. And I appreciate Keith doing that. And... Um, He's a dear friend and, and um, a blessing to us. And uh, but I'm going to be continuing this Wednesday night. Jehovah Nissi, the Lord my banner. What does that mean? Well, I promise you it'll change you. Don't miss the word this Wednesday night. Now, Galatians 5, I'm going to call this today fruit punch. Not like give me a drink of fruit punch, but like this, fruit punch. The fruit of God, the spiritual fruit, brings a punch to your life. It makes you impactful for God. Now, Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit, can we read them together? Is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then it says, against these there is no law. That is... If you walk in these, the Ten Commandments can't condemn you. The Ten Commandments will find no place to condemn you if you're walking in this fruit. Father, thank you for your word today. Change us. Rearrange us. Cause this, Lord, to be a fruitful, fruit-bearing, God-glorifying church. In his mighty name, that is the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and preach to him. Say, tutti frutti. Amen. I love the Word, and uh, this week I was in the Word, and I was in another room, and Kathy said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm abiding in the vine. And see, anytime that I get into the Word, I'm abiding in the vine. Jesus said, the words that I speak to you are spirit, and they are life. They're life to you. This is a supernatural book. This is not like any book you buy at Barnes & Noble. This is a supernatural book. It is full of the God-breathed Word of God. And Jesus said, the words that I speak are filled with vibrant life, and they are, they are spirit in nature. And so they feed your spirit. And Jesus said, he who abides in me and my words abide in them, that's the person that's going to bring forth much fruit. We've got to be fruitful, everybody. Listen to what this verse says, Ephesians 4, 13. God's purpose for every one of us is that we would become mature, grown up, no longer walking around in spiritual diapers, wah, 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 okay? But we should be grown up, attaining the full measure of perfection found in Christ. Let me just make that real simple. God is looking for the fruit of the Spirit in us. He's sifting through the leaves and the branches, and he's looking for the fruit of the Spirit in us. 
Jesus said, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And I chose you to go and bring forth the fruit of the Spirit. And that your fruit would remain. I chose you to bring forth fruit, not just for heaven. You have not just been chosen to go to heaven. You didn't just get saved to go to heaven. But God immediately begins to cultivate and water the seed of the Word in you so that you begin to produce love, joy, peace, and so on and so forth. And if there's no fruit, something's wrong. Something's bad wrong if there's no fruit. And so we've talked for a couple of months now about the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. Did a whole series called Power for the Hour. We need power for this hour. This hour that the church is under attack, everything we believe in and value and cherish is under attack in that culture out there. And God's not looking for a bunch of religious people. He's looking for lions for God. He's looking for people who are mighty in spirit. I'm not going over to I-35 on highway frontage like a great big city set on a hill just to be religious. I want to go with a whole bunch of people who are full of the Holy Spirit and full of the power and the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. Now, then we begin the Tutti Frutti series. After talking about the power of the Spirit, now we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. And we've looked at how gifts are sown, fruit is grown. Last week we talked about how does your garden grow? How do we bring forth fruit? It comes from abiding in the vine, not just on Sunday. But I want to tell you plainly, I'm not wasting my life on Christianity If Christianity can't give me joy on Monday, peace on Tuesday, victory on Wednesday, inspiration on Thursday, strength on Friday, and victory on Saturday, why come Sunday? And if we would all abide in the vine all week long, take time and take the trouble to get with God and read the Word, listen to the Word, watch the Word, whatever it takes to get the Word in you, we would come in here on Sunday and explode with glory because of what has been building up all week long in our own spiritual lives. See, babies need to be changed. They need their poopy diapers to be changed, and they're always having to be taken care of, and, and, and that's the only way a baby is ever happy. But an adult begins to take care of themselves. And he says, I want you to grow up into maturity, into the fullness of the stature of Christ. And so I want to talk today about fruit punch. Why is it so important that we produce the fruit of the Spirit? And what is the effect that it has on others? Did you know that if you have the fruit of the Spirit growing in your life, you're going to impact other people? Absolutely for sure. And you know the fruit of the Spirit enhances the quality of your life. How many of you want a better life in quality? I'm talking about quality. I'm not talking about money. You see, you can, you can be making, you know, $20,000 a year and be filled with joy, but you can be a multimillionaire and have satin sheets and not be able to sleep in them at night. We want quality of life, and that's what Jesus came to give. And when I think of fruit now, when I talk about the fruit of the Spirit, and I think you probably think the same way, I don't think of something strong when I think of fruit. I think of something delicate, something vulnerable, something fragile, don't you? You know, fruit is fragile, it's delicate, it's vulnerable. But do you know that the fruit of the Spirit is exactly the opposite of that? The fruit of the Spirit is not delicate and fragile and vulnerable, but the fruit of the Spirit is a part of the armor we wear. 
It is armor-like. Paul talks about the shield of faith. And faith is one of the flavors of the fruit of the Spirit. In 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 8, he says, But let us who live in the light keep sober, protected by the armor, the armor of faith and love. So if I grow in faith and I grow in love, and those are two aspects of the fruit of the Spirit, it is armor-like. It surrounds me in armor and protects me against the onslaughts of Satan. And church, i got to tell you today, if you don't know that we're in a warfare, can I give you a wake-up call? Can I rattle your cage a little bit? Can I lovingly knock you upside the head a little bit and say, wake up, we're in a warfare, and we're not going to survive it unless we get up and get with God, unless we spend time with Him, and unless we bring forth the fruit of the Spirit which surrounds us in the armor of God. As faith and love increase, I'm protected. If I go out the door full of faith and full of love, I'm protected from the onslaughts of the enemy. And you know what else I've noticed about the fruit of the Spirit? And i got to tell you the truth. I never saw this until I began to get ready for this series. And I saw it, and it blew me away. And I can't wait to share it with you. Let me just tell you what I found. Notice what he says. He says, now the fruit of the Spirit is. He does not say the fruits of the Spirit are... He says the fruit of the Spirit is singular. The fruit, singular, of the Spirit is. Now, whenever I talk about the fruits of the Spirit, I always pictured a basket full of fruit, bananas, apples, oranges, peaches, so on and so forth, and the nine fruits were like, of the Spirit were just nine totally different fruits, but they're not. When God talks about the fruit of the Spirit, He's talking about one fruit comprised of nine different flavors. The fruit of the Spirit is comprised of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, faith, and self-control. So when God looks at the fruit of the Spirit, He doesn't say, well, they've got five of them going on, but four aren't. No, no. God wants the whole package because to God, it's not nine different fruits. It's one fruit with nine flavors. Like Tutti Frutti ice cream. Why do you get that? Because you want a bunch of different flavors. I love going into Brahms or uh, some Bluebell place, and I like ice cream that's got a bunch of different things in it. That's just what I like. And I'm going to tell you something else about me. When I eat cereal in the morning, I put like five different kinds in one bowl. (laughs) I really do. Kathy finally went and got me a container. She said, why don't you pour them all into one deal and quit this whole hassle of grabbing five different boxes? I said, it's not the same. (laughs) Because to me, I, I like variety, and so does God. And so here's what God says. I'm looking for all the fruits, and that's what it means. You can't settle for, well, I'm doing good in the love department and joy, and I've got some peace, and I've got some gentleness, but you know that patience deal, well, I can do without that because I'm, I'm doing pretty good in the rest of the fruit departments. No, no, no. When God says, I want you to bring forth fruit, he didn't say fruits. He said fruit singular, and I want it to have nine different characteristics, nine different flavors. I want all of them in it. I've chosen you to go and bring forth the heavenly fruit of the Spirit. 
So I want you growing in love and joy and peace. I want all the flavors in one fruit. Praise God. And there's another way to look at the fruit of the Spirit. The nine graces, or it's called sometimes the nine graces, or the fruit of the Spirit, can be divided into three groups. Love, joy, and peace reflect our relationship to God. Patience, kindness, and goodness point to our relationship with others. And faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control point to the conduct of our own spiritual lives. So watch this. Love, joy, and peace point Godward. It's my relationship with Him. When I relate to Him, I'm filled with love, I've got joy, and I walk in peace. Patience, kindness, and goodness point menward. This is how I treat people with patience, kindness, and goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control point inward. This is what I'm like on the inside. This is what God's doing inside of me. So Godward, manward, and inward. The fruit of the Spirit covers everything. Amen. Now, why is the fruit of the Spirit so important? Why talk about this? Why not talk about the gifts, the power, the signs, the wonders? Because if you don't have the fruit, people aren't going to believe that you've met God. They're not going to believe that you've met God. Now, I want you to listen. The fruit of the Spirit testifies to the world the reality of God in my life. The fruit of the Spirit testifies to that world, preaches to that world that we really have had an encounter with God. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, your strong love for each other will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your strong love for each other is going to prove to that world out there that you've had a supernatural encounter with a God who has put something in you that is not in people that are on this planet. Because this planet is not a loving planet. It's filled with hate and racism and anger and bitterness and unforgiveness and grudges. It is not gracious. It is not giving. It's selfish and self-centered and narcissistic and self-obsessed. But when the fruit of the Spirit is grown in you and me, it points Godward, it points manward, and it points inward. And people begin to see you had to have had an encounter with a supernatural God because the way you are doesn't make sense. I don't see this kind of love in normal people on this planet. Let me give you an example. The Bible talks about the Corinthian church. The Corinthian church was huge on gifts. They would have made a great charismatic church in our day. Huge on gifts. They loved tongues. They loved miracles, signs, and wonders. They were always into the, into the, the heavy, thunderous lightning flashes and the big happenings and the big events and God moving and healing and all of this. And Paul wrote to them and said, Go ahead and eagerly desire the best gift. There's nothing wrong with desiring a gift. But first, let me tell you about something else that's better than any of them. And then he begins to talk about the power of love. Now here's what I believe about that world out there. I believe when you drink it, or you smoke it, or you shoot it, or you snort it, or you go from relationship to relationship to relationship to relationship ad nauseum, you're looking for God. You just don't know it. I'm convinced of it. When you pop that pill 
When you turn to drugs to, to, to accentuate your reality, I am convinced you're looking for the power of the Holy Spirit in your life and you just don't know it because we are disconnected from our maker until we're saved. We are disconnected and we're like an amnesiac who knows there's somebody I'm supposed to know. There's somebody I'm supposed to recognize. I don't know who it is, but would you please help me remember who I used to know, who I used to recognize, who I used to fellowship with, and that's what man is like on the inside. He's saying, I'm in a search for God. I don't know it. I can't enunciate that. I can't always say it with words, but I'm on a search. I'm on a quest. Something is missing deep down, and I'm aching until I find it. And you will never rest. Your soul will never be at peace until it rests in God. And when you come to him through Jesus Christ, he plugs you into the life source of the Holy Spirit, and it says, the love of God is poured out on our hearts by the Holy Holy Ghost who is given freely unto us. Thank God for that Holy Ghost. And when that love pours out on our hearts, we say, home. Home. That world out there instinctively are fruit pickers. And if you say you've met God, they want to see the fruit of it. Paul said, go ahead, but I'm going to tell you, if you don't have love, all you're doing is making a noise. That's it. Banging a tambourine, much ado about nothing. If you don't have the fruit of the Spirit in your midst, if you don't have the love of God, the peace, the joy, forget it. If I profess to know God but have no love, I'm like clouds hovering over a parched and dry land that never produce rain to quench the land's thirst. Or I'm like a brightly wrapped Christmas gift under the Christmas tree that when opened by wide-eyed children, there's nothing in them. The gifts of the Spirit are like the church's dinner bell. Ring-a-ring-a-ring-a. We've got miracles here, signs and wonders. God's moving. Things are happening. Ring-a-ling-a-ling-a. That's the dinner bell. We have met God, we tell that culture out there. But the respondents don't come to feed on the bell. They come to feed on the fruit. You can't eat a bell. You don't pitch tent at a sign. The sign points to the reality. And the reality is the love of God in you, the fruit of the Spirit operating in your life. You know, I, people tell me all the time, I'm going to brag on you for a little bit. People tell me all the time, I have never in my life been received like I was received when I walk in the doors of this church. It's the whole reason I came back. I said, it wasn't because of me. And they said, no. <laughs> they said, when we walked in here, people greeted us, loved on us, said hello to us. And we saw something. See, we rang the bell. We've met God. We've met God. We've got the reality of God here. But when they came in, they found fruit on the table. The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, and peace. I mean, listen. There's some churches, they have great buildings, lots of money, very impressive. But you could ice skate to your chair. It's God's frozen chosen. You're lucky if anybody says hello to you. 
The people say to me, the reason I came back is because we were greeted with love. We were greeted over and over again. Don't ever lose that because that's what people are looking for. They're looking for the fruit. They're looking for the real thing. Love, joy, peace, patience, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, faith, self-control. That's what they're looking for because that tells them God is among you. When you love each other, amen? Now, the second thing about the fruit of the Spirit, and this is real important to me, the fruit of the Spirit. Why should I produce the fruit of the Spirit? It, it beautifies the quality of life the believer is called to enjoy. It enhances the quality of life that we've been called to as believers. Now, I want you to listen to the words of Jesus. Jesus said this, I have come that men may have misery, that men may be depressed, that men may be bored. I have come to give men a hard time. Is that what he said? No. He said, I have come that men may have life and may have it abundantly. What a powerful verse. Now, when you read that verse and you look around at a lot of churches, is that what you think about? Does it look like abundant life? Listen, God's greatest billboard is your face. That's why when you leave here on a Sunday morning, you go to a restaurant, if you can't go in there full of joy, if you go in there all depressed and down, don't tell them you were here. (laughs) Don't tell them you came here. Where you been? Oh, over there at Turning Point Church. Hallelujah. Praise God. Don't, go, don't tell them where you were if you look like something bad happened to you. Because I want you going out of here full of joy. I want you going out of here with a smile on your face, a skip in your step, a gleam in your eye. I want you to go in there and say, God is good. Man, we just got out of church and we got blessed. It sure was worth the drive and worth the trouble. We heard the word of God. We worshiped in the beauty of holiness. God came down. My spirit is full. Life is good. Everything looks great. Thank God. He is a God of blessing. He loves me. He lifted me up. He put a smile on my face. That's what you say. If you go in there depressed, tell them you were attending down the street somewhere. Because Jesus said, I have come that men may have life and may have it abundantly. So that means if you're saved, it ought to look like something good happened to you. Hello, church. Abundant life. Now, I'm a word guy. I love words. And I always study words. And I picked this little word abundantly. Let me tell you what it means. From the Greek language, when Jesus used it, it means super abundant, superior in quality, excessive, immeasurable, something above the ordinary, overflowing. The same Greek word is used to describe the pieces of bread left over after the miraculous feeding of the multitudes. We know that they had had five loaves and two fishes, and somehow they divided that up between the 12 disciples, and they went passing them out. And every time they broke some of that bread off the loaf, it reappeared. I mean, this was, this was a real, real Holy Ghost moment. I think they started out kind of amazed. I think by the time they got to the end of the crowd, they were jumping and shout, shouting and doing cartwheels. Because they gave some and it reappeared. They gave more, it reappeared. They gave more, it reappeared. They had Wonder Bread, the original. 
and reappeared, reappeared. And then the Bible says that, that when they were done, Jesus said, now let's be frugal. Don't waste anything. You go pick up what's left over. And every one of those disciples had his own basket full of bread, which shows that if you give it away, you're going to get it yourself. If you give it away, you can't outgive God. If you give it away, it's going to come back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Will men give into your bosom? You can't outgive God. If you give what God has told you to give to other people, he's also going to bless you with a basket full. Come on. And so here they were. They, were, they had an abundance of leftovers. And so when Jesus said, I came that you might have abundant life, he, the, the word that he used means you're going to have so much life, there's going to be a bunch of leftover. You ought to be so blessed that you've got leftovers when you walk out of here. And during the week, instead of just getting by, you've got leftovers, abundant life. Let me, let me just give you the revised Wickwire Amplified Version. Jesus said, I have come that men may have superabundant, superior in quality, excessive, immeasurable, above the ordinary, overflowing, leftover life. Amen, Pastor Jeff, that's good preaching. I'm going to get that CD. Say, well, I don't have that kind of life, Pastor Jeff. Well, I'm going to tell you what. The manufacturer didn't make a mistake. My daughter just got a new car. And I said, you better, you better study that little booklet that comes with it. Because I guarantee you, this car does things you don't know anything about. And if you don't study it, you're going to drive it for a couple of years, few years. And when you get ready to sell it, you're going to realize it had bells and whistles you didn't know anything about. And you didn't enjoy the fullness of the car because you didn't study the manual. There's nothing wrong with the car the manufacturer has given us. We better study the manual. How do I walk in this superabundant life? The manual says, abide in me, and if my words abide in you, you will bring forth much fruit, and it will remain through all the adversities of life. It's so much easier on you and me to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is so much easier on you than walking in the flesh. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard on you. It's hard. It's a much more fulfilling life to walk in love than in the dark valley of hate. Hate will give you ulcers in your stomach, take away your peace, take away your sleep, ruin the quality of your life, but not walking in the fruit of the Spirit one of the flavors being love. It's so much easier to have joy than in the walk in the quiet desperation that one poet said all of humanity walks in. Henry David Thoreau wrote down, I've studied people, I've looked at life, and I see that men live lives of quiet desperation. Well, he wasn't looking at somebody saved. Because I'm going to tell you, I'm not quietly desperate. I'm quietly blessed. I'm quietly at peace. I'm quietly happy. The more I abide in the vine, the worse it gets. I used to be quietly desperate, but I'm not now. The Bible says, He that is of a merry heart has a continual feast. 
It's like going to a continual feast if your heart's merry, if you've got joy. Amen. This is good preaching. I'll tell you what, you ought to get this CD and listen to it during the week. Abide in the vine. George Mueller was a famous guy, a famous Christian in the 1800s. He was a boozer and a loser in his teenage years. He stole from people. He stole from Christians. But one day he got saved, and God led him to birth an orphanage. And when he birthed this orphanage in Bristol, England, he made the decision that he would never tell a soul what they needed. He began to take children in. And for decades, like 50, 60 years, he oversaw this orphanage. He never told one human being in all of England, anywhere in the world, what he needed. He prayed every day for his needs to be met. In the 1800s, by the time George Mueller died, he had had supernaturally provided to him in that orphanage $7.5 million, which to, to us today is like $70 million. They would come to the front door of the orphanage and leave money, leave goods, leave groceries, and walk away, and he would never know who was there. Every day he was up in the morning and praying to God, and Jehovah Jireh came through for George Mueller. But he wrote this. He said, I have come to see more clearly than ever that the first great and primary business to which I ought to attend every day is to have my soul happy in the Lord. The first thing to be concerned about, he wrote, is not how much I might serve the Lord, how I might glorify the Lord, but rather how I might get my soul into a happy state and how my inner man might be nourished. Well, that's my kind of guy right there. That's the kind of person I want to read about because every day he nourishes his soul in God. And he said, my first business every morning is to get happy. Why? He finishes and says, for I might seek to set the truth before the lost. I might seek to minister to believers. I might seek to relieve the distressed. I might in other ways seek to behave myself as it becomes a child of God in this world. And yet, not being happy in the Lord and not being nourished and strengthened in my inner man day by day, all these things might not be done in a right spirit. He said, if I'm going to minister to the lost, I'm going to do it in a right spirit. If I'm going to minister to the found, I'm going to do it in the right spirit. I'm going to live my life happy in the Lord so that when I minister Jesus, it's in a right spirit. The joy of the Lord is easier on you than walking around depressed. Amen. And how much easier is it to walk in the calm serenity of peace than the endless inner turmoil of somebody who's not walking with God? There is no peace, says Isaiah, to the wicked. And you know what? We could look at the whole list of nine characteristics, the whole list of nine flavors of that one fruit of the Spirit of God. And we would realize that to be in possession of such fruit would create a superabundance of life. Nothing else could bring. You know why? Because if I'm walking in love and joy and peace, long-suffering and gentleness, kindness, faith, and self-control. I'm walking just like Jesus. And John said, if we say we abide in him, we ought to walk even as he walked. Walk in love and joy and peace. And to walk in that fruit, what a blessing it brings to you. What a, how much less stress, how much easier it is on you. I've noticed that if somebody lives a long, righteous life, it does for their face what max factor can't ever do. Righteous people don't age as badly as the wicked. And there's some incentive for you vain people. 
Walk with God, it's good for your face. <laughs> Think about it. Loving the ungodly, joyful in life, peaceful in storms, patient in difficulties, gentle with others, meekness displaying itself as strength held in check, faith that is strong, kindness to all, self-control in a world of temptation. That's fruit punch. Fruit punch. Well, y'all are quiet today. The last thing I want to say about the fruit of the Spirit, it glorifies God in this world. Now, did you know that you've been called to glorify God? That's why you haven't gone to heaven yet. Why has God left you here? Because you're called to glorify God in this world. Look at your neighbor and tell him that means you. Now, some of you looked right at me and said, that means you. I don't need you to tell me. Tell your neighbor. <laughs> that means you. Listen to the words of Jesus. This is how my Father is glorified. This is how the Father is glorified. By you becoming fruitful through being my disciples. That's how God is glorified. When you begin to show fruit on the branches of your life, God's glorified. Now, if I were to ask you, what does glorified mean? You might have a hard time defining that for me. Well, I don't know, because that's not a word we use in modern-day vernacular. You don't leave a football game and say, that was glorious. In our day, we say, that was hot, or something like that. But no, the word glorified means this. Glorified means an opinion, an estimate, the honor resulting from a good opinion. When you say the word glory, doxa, you mean an opinion or an estimate. Now let me show you what I mean. As I came to know Kathy, raise your hand, Kathy, in case anybody here doesn't know who you are. There we go. As I came to know Kathy, I began to see that she was probably the most unselfish person I've ever known. I don't think I've ever known anybody as unselfish as Kathy. Uh, she's got a stack of cards on, on a little table she sits in front of. And she's always saying to me, sign this, sign that. It's pastor on this one. It's Jeff on this one. And I said, who's this to? And she says, well, it's to so-and-so. They have a niece who has an uncle who has a... Some, and, and, and they're going through something, and I just want to send them a card. And then she'll say, and this is for so-and-so. And, and, you know, I need her. Because she is always thinking of you. I think of you, but I think of you in terms of ministering the Word to you. Kathy thinks of you in terms of meeting practical needs. She's always thinking of you, always thinking of other people. Sometimes I want to say to her, would you just sit down and eat? Because she's up taking care of everybody else. Now, watch this. As I saw this in Kathy, I began to draw an opinion that she was unselfish, and that resulted in me valuing and esteeming and honoring that in her. Now, eventually, it became so obvious and I became so aware of this attribute that is in Kathy that I wanted to tell others. And so I'm telling you. And you know what I'm doing right now telling you about what I have found to be really beautiful in her? I'm glorifying her. Do you all mind if I glorify Kathy for a minute here today? Can I do that? I'm just glorifying her. 
So we don't glorify a human being. Oh, yeah, you do. Because when you see something in somebody that is beautiful and noteworthy and worthy of praise, you not only notice it for yourself, but you go tell about it. You brag on them about it. And when you do that, you are glorifying them. You are praising them. And we ought to do that with one another. Come on, everybody. That's what we're to do. Now, you know where I'm going with this, and here's where I'm going with this. As Christians, we are those who have seen that God is good. You've got a knowledge and an understanding of God that that culture out there does not have. They haven't tasted and seen that the Lord is good. They have not fed on the good word of God. (laughs) They're out there in spiritual death. But they want to see what we say we saw. And so we go out and we say, ringa, 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 I've found God. They come in here and they want to see the evidence. They want to see the fruit. But when you have seen that God is good, everybody in here seen that God is good? Can you say God is good? Have you seen that the Lord is good and, and that he's worthy of our praise, worthy of our worship, worthy of our adoration, worthy of our life, worthy of our death, worthy of all that we have? He's worthy, worthy, worthy. Thou art worthy. Have you seen that? Well, as people who have seen that, we have been called of God to go glorify Him. That's why when you go into the restaurant, don't go in there looking like you just lost your best friend. Go in there to brag on Jesus. Oh, you ought to see what Jesus did. God is so good. He answered my prayer. He picked me up when I was down. He dusted me off. He put a new song in my mouth. I have got the joy of the Lord in my heart. I was done for if it hadn't been for the Lord. I would have fainted unless I believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. When I didn't think I could take another step, He picked me up, and I've been running miles now in the strength of the Lord. Thank God for His goodness. Blah, blah, blah. But here's the message of the fruit. When we bear the fruit of the Spirit, it preaches all day long. Because it provides a picture of what He is like. It reflects and echoes and testifies to the character of the God we worship. St. Francis of Assisi said this, preach the gospel at all times. Use words if necessary. But you preach the gospel at all times. Can you stand with me? I'm going to close with a quick story. I read of a man who was a preacher. And this preacher decided, he lived in uh, England, and he decided that he wanted to get out there and see what the people he was trying to reach experienced. So he changed uh, his wardrobe. He put on the works of the, co- uh, the clothes of a common working man. It was the middle of bitter winter. And in England, winter is terrible. I mean, it just cuts to the bone. He put on some working clothes, disguised himself, and went out and began to try to get a job. And he couldn't get a job. He knocked and knocked and couldn't get a job. And he wrote it down in a diary. He said, now I know what it's like to be out there with them and he went out with not enough clothes to keep him warm because he said so many of my people go out and they don't have enough clothes to keep themselves warm. He said, I didn't even allow myself a cup of tea before I left because some of the people I'm trying to reach 
didn't have enough to have a cup of tea. So I went out, and I began to experience their rejection. No job, no job, no job. He said, finally, I got one. And the job was to carry a wheelbarrow full of stuff across some planks of wood, across mud and water to a ship that was going to set sail with these goods. So he was doing a real lowly, difficult, blue-collar kind of job, not paying much. And so back and forth, he was going with his wheelbarrow, freezing. One of the men decided to make fun of him, and he began to jiggle the plank. And the wheelbarrow tumbled, and he and the wheelbarrow fell into the mud below. And all these men, wah, ha, ha, laughing at him. His chief tormentor, laughing the hardest. How you like that? Ha, ha, didn't know who he was. He said, at first, I was filled with anger, wanted to get up and take care of him. But then something else came over me, and the Spirit of God touched me. He said, I put a smile on my face, and I said, huh, that was a good one. He said, when I did that, my chief tormentor, something happened inside of him, and he jumped into the mud with me and helped me out. He said, you're not really from here, are you? He said, no, but you're not either. Your speech betrays you. And the guy said, no, I'm not. I used to be a doctor. I lost my wife and I lost my job because of alcohol. I have nothing. Who are you? He said, well, let's go to lunch and we'll talk about it. So when the lunch break came, they went off and he shared Christ with him and he prayed, gave his heart to the Lord, got delivered of the alcohol, and his life was restored. Now listen. He said, what was it that made you come down to me? He said, it was your response. I knew it wasn't normal. Often we don't realize the fruit of the Spirit is what people are watching more than any single thing. And it preaches when you can have that fruit growing on the branches of your life. Maybe God gave us the fruit so that people like that would pick it, look at it, and realize anybody else would come out of there and we'd have been in a fight. But he didn't do that. It was the fruit. Father, we just thank you today for the testimony of the fruit of the Spirit. And we pray, Lord, that you will move on our lives in a way that, Lord, not only do we minister, but we have the fruit to back it up. Lord, help us to get into that vine every day and take the sustenance, the life flow that goes from the vine into the branches and help us to grow in that one fruit of nine flavors. In Jesus' name, I want you to take a moment. As we just sing quietly, I want you to take a moment and say, Lord, help me to do my part to get into that vine daily so that fruit can appear on my branches. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.